Today we're going to be in part three of uh, our four-part series that's been called, I Want to Believe, But, and we're talking about some of the hurdles or the challenges that people have in coming to faith or staying in faith, if you will. There are a lot of people who I think want to believe in God. That is sort of their, their, their pull, their desire. There's something there, but there's something happened, right? There, there, there's some other hurdle. There, there's something that keeps them from completely believing. Um, the argument that I've been making is that when they say that there is no God or I don't believe in God or they've rejected God, they're not actually rejecting the true God. What they're doing is uh, rejecting a, a distorted view or, or a partial view uh, of what they say is God, and they think that's the God that we mean, and it's the wrong view of God. So in week number one, we talked about on-demand God, the God who does everything that we want when we ask. That God does not exist. Last week, we talked about killjoy God, the God who robs us of all fun. It's just rules, rules, rules. That God does not exist. The final week that we're going to do on March 4th, so we're going to take out the, the, the center section for outflow, and then we're going to finish up on March 4th. That final week um, is going to be, you know what, I think it's a really important week. And it might be the biggest issue that people come to in this center, a very common objection. So that last week, we're saving it for that one. We're going to look at heartless God. A God, how can you care? How can you say if this, then that? Um, so th- that might be a really good week for, uh, for you to think about. Someone that you know, someone in your family, maybe uh, someone around you who has that kind of a feeling. They've had something hard happen to them, and they go, I just, I can't believe in the God that you're talking about if this thing happened. We're going to try and look at that and expose some of those things there, try and tell the truth about that, to be honest about what we think is going on there. How can this happen in my life? Well, March 4th, we're going to try and talk about that one. But today, today it's goosebump God. I want to believe in God, but I just don't feel him. There's nothing there. How do, how do you believe in a God that you can't see? How do you believe in a God that you never hear speak audibly? How do you believe in a God that you, when you don't feel anything? I want to believe in God, but I, I just don't feel him. So over my years in ministry, I've had uh, encounters like this more than one time. And back way back now in the, in the first church that I worked at, I had a conversation with a really nice 15 or 16-year-old girl, and she asked these questions, basically those questions verbatim. And I want to believe in God, but I don't feel him. Maybe she was more like, I need to believe in God, but I can't feel him. It was after uh, our youth gathering one week, and then I was sort of hanging out, you know, moving through the different groups of students, trying to talk to different people, just trying to connect with them. And then she came up to me, and her eyes were full of tears. It was right near my beginning time there. And she just kind of blurted out, Pastor Graham, my dad died of brain cancer like a year ago. That was before my time. So I hadn't been there to know that. And I was really close to my daddy. My mom, not a believer in God at all. And I'm hurting. And I don't know what to do. So I, I believe that I need to be in church, and so I get myself here on Sundays, I get myself here on Wednesdays, and sometimes I walk, sometimes I ride my bike, sometimes I get a ride from someone else, sometimes I walk. I believe that I need to be here. There's something that I need spiritually, and she said, I'm trying. I really am. But it's just not happening for me. She went on to say, you know, I, I read the Bible and maybe like you, I don't understand it. I don't, I don't know what I'm supposed to get from it. And, and I go to church and I, and I try to sing the songs. I've, other people are singing songs. 
And it seems like other people feel something, but I just feel numb. When I pray, it's not prayer, it's just talking. And the talking doesn't seem to go anywhere. And it's just talking, and I don't think anyone's listening. And if you were there, you could just sense this longing, the, the honesty of what was there, the earnestness of what was in there. This young lady reaching out. I, I, I feel like there's something that I'm supposed to be reaching for, but I, I can't grab it. She's making a significant effort to get herself to church Sundays and Wednesdays because she wants to believe something, but she's just not feeling it. And I guarantee that this is the same way that many of you feel, either at some point in your life, maybe it's right now, or somebody that you know, somebody that you're close to, somebody that you work with, they, they, they want to believe in God, but don't feel him. Can't have that thing that seems like other people have. The, the, the Wi-Fi can't seem to be accessed, right? It feels like you've got the wrong password. Everyone else is connecting and downloading, and you've got nothing. And then... <laughs> Then somewhere around you, maybe not everyone, but for many people, there's someone else around you, and they seem to feel and see God everywhere and in everything, and they say stuff like, you know, I was talking to God and said, God said this to me, blah, 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 and I was driving, and I heard my favorite song on, and I could just sense God in the car at the whole time, and I went to the mall, and I prayed, and, and I got the perfect parking spot. God was right there for me. My husband just got a raise. My son just got accepted to a prestigious university and got a full scholarship. Oh, God is so good. And then you're more like, I was driving. I hated every song that came on. I went to the mall. I couldn't get a parking spot. I had to walk two and a half kilometers in the rain. My husband just got fired. My son got rejected from community college. Where's God in my life, right? I don't get it. It's not fair. How can we be so similar but have such a different experience? How can there be a God? I just don't feel God around me like they do. So if you've ever wondered to yourself, where is God? Well, that's what I want to talk about today. So let me ask you this. If you did not feel God today in church, whose fault is it? So just think about that, all right? Was it God's fault? Do you think that God's looking at you kind of going, I don't like your attitude, frankly, this week, so I'm going to give myself to everybody else but you. And so you sort of have this picture of the, the God overshadowing the whole place, but then clearing a spot where you are. No good going to you at all. I'm going to give myself to everybody, but not you. I'm missing you. Maybe next week, if you're better. Is it God's fault? Is it your fault? When you came to church today, your spiritual antenna is not fully wired in. It's not fully connected. You don't have it connected properly. Was it the band's fault because they didn't play your favorite song? We didn't have enough of the right instrument? Whose fault is it? Well, what I want to do is to help you understand that the presence of God is much bigger than our feelings. And that the blame and shame, whose fault is it, those questions really don't help. So if you don't always feel God's presence, you're not alone. It's common. It's expected that there will be times when you don't feel God at all. So you look at a place like Psalm 88. 
Um, if you go there, this is a, another psalm by David. Um, in, in, his, in his frustration, he's calling out. The psalms are beautiful for this, for expressing the different kinds of parts of life. And this one, see, see if this one can feel a little bit like something you might say. But I cry out to you for help. In the morning, my prayer comes to you. Why, Lord, do you reject me and hide your face from me? God, I need your help. I want your presence. But it's like heaven is silent. It's like there's a ceiling and it's blocking me from knowing you. God, I need your presence. But it feels like you're not even there. Why do you reject me? You look at some of the spiritual greats in the Bible. David, he had a very intimate time with God, right? Like we know that he's a man after God's own heart. He wrote all these beautiful psalms. He did all these wonderful spiritual things. And he's the guy who says, Yay, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. And other times he cried out to God and he says, Where are you? I can feel you. I can't feel you. You're, you're not answering my prayer. It's not the first time I've asked. I've asked you plenty of times. Why are you allowing my enemies to do this to me? They're bad. I'm good. Why are bad things happening to me, God? I thought we had a deal. I thought there was an arrangement. If I do the right things, then I get the right things. That you're supposed to be connecting with me and caring for me. How come I don't feel this? How come they're the ones who are getting influence? How come they're the ones who are getting um, power? How come they're the ones that things are going for? What about me? God, where are you? David wasn't always, oh God, I sense you. We're buds. Paul, in the New Testament, this guy, transformation, right? He experiences the risen Christ in a way very few people ever have. He has a heavenly experience that he writes about later on. It's so glorious. It's so amazing that he's not even allowed to tell other people about it. And yet, do you know what he did for the first 17 years after he converted, most people don't ever read that part, right? You read the book of Acts, he's converted, he does this stuff. The point from he's converted till he starts going on missionary journeys, 17 years. We don't pay attention to that, right? Paul started, Paul went, it's great. 17 years he waited, making tents. And he waited and he waited and he waited. He said, God, I'm so passionate. I'm so ready. I want to go. I want to do this. Why? Why am I waiting? Why don't, you, why don't I feel this? Why don't I have the connection? What, what are we waiting for, God? 17 years. Jesus, even Jesus, think about this. Jesus, who walked with the most intimate relationship to God the Father that anyone has ever experienced. He's on the cross. The world's going dark. Everything is going wrong at a level of wrong that we've never experienced. And he looks up in his most desperate and he cries out, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We're on the same team. We're playing this together. How come when I need you most, when I'm absolutely desperate, when I'm feeling completely broken, weak, and alone, how can I sense your lack of presence now more than ever before? Where are you, God? Why can't I feel you? Have you ever read C.S. Lewis? I like C.S. Lewis. I like the stuff that he wrote and, you know, good old Clive Staples. That's what we call him, Clive Staples. Uh, you certainly know the Chronicles of Narnia. You've probably heard about them, but he wrote so many other great books. And the best thing about them, if you're not really a reader, is they're thin. 
small books that you can burn through. So much in them. He wrote like the screw tape letters and God in the Dock, The Great Divorce, Mere Christianity. Lots of good books. This spiritual giant who has a way of expressing things that just makes them so clear, he seems to be able to to describe an experience unlike we are able to do. He wrote this one time when he wasn't feeling the presence of God. He said, I got a door slammed in my face. And then the sound of a bolting, double bolting on the inside. And after that, silence. He went on to say that this caused him to doubt, to doubt the presence of God. And so he says in a metaphorical way, this is what I'm feeling. There are no lights in the windows. It might just be an empty house. What Was it ever inhabited? It seemed so once. Why is God so present a commander in our time of prosperity and so very absent in our time of trouble? Is God even there? If you don't always feel the presence of God, you're not alone. And I'm going to suggest three possible reasons. And you know what? Let's be truthful right up front. There's tons of reasons, okay? So luckily for you, we're only going to talk about three. Three reasons why you might not be feeling God right now. This might not be you. This might be you. So just three. Obviously, there's a great many more. Um, But hopefully, the goal of this is to increase your longing to pursue God in a more intimate way. So number one, if you're taking notes, why don't we always feel God? The first thing is you're over-sensationalizing it. You're doing something like what the disciples did in in John. John wrote about it in John chapter 6 of his gospel. They're they're saying, hey, God, give us some sort of big, bold sign. We want something that proves it. I want a ta-da. I want a a spotlight kind of moment, something that's there. There is God. And so they asked Jesus, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe in you? What are you going to do, Jesus? What do you got up your sleeve? What are you going to wow me with today? And they start using the past as a precedent to increase their argument. So it, it happened in the past, God. What are you going to do today? So our ancestors, they ate manna in the wilderness. It's written that God gave them bread from heaven to eat. That sounds good. God did this. God did this miracle. There's bread from heaven. Everyone could see it. It was around us. We could touch it. We could feel it. We could eat it. Do something like that, Jesus. I'm ready. Do it. Give us something. Give us something that we can sense that God is really with us. There are many of you, I think, maybe, maybe you're just over-sensationalizing it. You're waiting for something. uh, You want to know God. You want to feel it. But you're looking only for the the audible voice. You know, the, the dramatic miracle. You're demanding that God put on a show for you in the way that you want it when you want it. So maybe, maybe this is your story. You're dating some guy, and you're considering breaking up with him. But, but you're not sure. He might be the one, might not be the one. You don't want to put him on the side if there's not going to be something better coming along. But if there is something better coming along, well, then you don't want to stick with him. You want God to speak and say, Thou shalt breaketh up. With that man, for he is an economy class man, and I have for you a business class man. You want an angel to appear, right? To point it out. Which way do I go? I'm at a fork in the road, and the angel points, go this way. Let's be honest. God doesn't reveal himself like that very frequently. 
There are times when you may feel him. There are times when you may not. I've been in the midst of uh, powerful spiritual experiences that I could feel and I could marvel in and I've been in the midst of those things, key moments of marked spirituality where I did not sense anything particular in nature. When I, when I was uh, growing up, I was told that baptism was a big deal. Baptism is going to change your life. It's, it's a line in the sand. It's a mark. And honestly, I'll tell you the truth. I experienced more during your baptisms, baptisms than I ever had during my own. I remember when I was at school, Bible school, going to be a good Bible boy, and there was this issue. I had stolen something. Who steals stuff at Bible college? Like, what kind of a sinner am I? I'd stolen this stuff at Bible college, and we were in a big communion service, and um, God had, it, it was time to fix things, right? That's the way it was. There was no way around it, and I could sense the heaviness of the presence of God. It's like I couldn't even sit up straight. I was bowed over going, but I'm going to be embarrassed, but I'm ashamed. What am I going to do? And it's communion, and we had a communion at the front, so you came when you were ready, and there was no way I could go because I was not ready. I knew that I wasn't ready, and God was making sure that day I knew I was not ready. And so it finally broke. It snapped. And I said, no longer. No longer. I got to go and find that guy. So in front of the crowd of people, I got up and I called the guy out of the pew. You got to come. We got to talk. And I took him outside and to the back. And I said, I got to tell you, I stole this from you. And I'm sorry. I should never have done it. But God is convicting me right now. Can you please forgive me? I will absolutely give it back. And he said, of course. And he smiled. Like he was happy that this was happening. And I ran. All my self-consciousness, all of my pride didn't matter anymore because this time, like no other time in my life, could I remember the significance of understanding what had just happened and what I didn't want to miss because communion was almost done and I had to get there before they closed up shop. I ran down to the front. I wasn't worried that there was bumbling and murmuring. What's that weirdo doing? What kind of evil sinner must he be? And I felt a moment like there, the forgiveness of God, the grace of God like I've never experienced before. And there was an afterglow that lasted for days. I journaled. I never journal. I journaled pages and pages and pages. God, I see you. God, I sense you. There are both. We have to understand that feelings are not the only evidence of the presence of God. If you always felt God, you wouldn't feel God. Do you know what I mean? If it never goes away, you wouldn't notice that it was there. You'd take it entirely for granted. All of my life, I had two feet that worked fine, and then just before Christmas, I got this pinched sciatic nerve, and I got uh, numbness in my foot. And I can tell you, I remembered now what it's like to have numbness in my foot, and I didn't know what it was like anymore to know what it was like to not have numbness in my foot. But the, the change I noticed. If you always felt God, you wouldn't need faith, but God says that faith is critical to our relationship together. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So some of you, you're looking for that goosebump feeling, the audible voice, the lightning bolt that comes down, the giant hand writing on the wall. Sometimes it's just a quiet whisper. 
Perhaps some of you are looking for something, a, a bump, a new bump in awareness of God. But boom, next level. But you have simply become accustomed to the sense that God is with you always, and you don't sense that anymore. Second thing, and I, and I want to try and scare you with this, but, but as your pastor, I feel obligated at some point to tell you there are some of you that you may not feel God because your heart has hardened. You were close to God at one point, and now your heart is not soft. It's not soft to the things of God. You, you, you locked it up for protection. You locked it up for, for anger. You locked it up. And you need to re- ask God to replace your heart of stone with a heart of flesh like he said in Ezekiel. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and I will give you a heart of flesh. And that's sort of the same idea when Jesus was quoting that when he speaks and Matthew wrote it down, uh, Matthew chapter 13 Jesus was quoting Isaiah, and Jesus said this, you will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. They closed their eyes. What happened? They were close to God once. It was there, but over time, their hearts grew harder. Now, spiritually, they didn't see like they used to see spiritually. They didn't hear like they used to hear. It sounds like and feels like God's not there. This might be you. Perhaps you've allowed your heart to grow hard to the things of God. And you need to understand that the number one cause of a hard heart is sin in our life that separates us from God. And honestly, that sounds offensive. I know how it sounds. I know what it's like to hear that, but just because it's unpleasant or just because it's offensive doesn't mean that it's not true. Now, this is not for everyone. I understand that, but this is for someone. If you sin against God, does that mean that God doesn't love you and you're not a Christian? Obviously not. You sin against God and you're a follower of Jesus. You still are a follower of Jesus. What happens is that sin breaks the intimacy with God. We don't feel as close. We don't feel that sort of connection because it's not. But he didn't move. We just put something between him and us. It's like a concrete wall in your house. You got your Wi-Fi router that's going. You go behind a wall. The signal's still there, but it's weaker. But the Wi-Fi didn't move. For example, think about this. Imagine you got a husband and a wife, and the husband or the wife um, for this story, it doesn't really matter which one. The husband or the wife commits adultery. What happens? Are they still married? The answer is yes. They're still married. Are they as intimate as they were before? No. That intimacy has broken. It has become um, clogged and clumsy. That sin separates us and breaks the fellowship. The bond of trust that was there is not there anymore. This is what happens with God. Whenever we live with ongoing sin, we all mess up. I mess up today. I'm going to mess up three or four times today. You're going to mess up today. But when we continue to live in it, continue not repenting for it, excusing it, making making it okay for us for now, we're not confessing and saying, God, help me out. Cleanse me. Make me new. Rip that stuff off me. Remove that from me. I don't want it anymore. When we're not dealing with it, over time, it's like plaque on our heart. It grows hard. And suddenly, we can't sense that God is there. 
Imagine this. It's, it's super, super cold outside. Let's say it's minus 35, okay? Sound familiar? <laughs> on a day like today, you can't even remember that two weeks ago we were freezing. It's freezing outside and you get bundled up. You got the best gear. You've got an amazing hat. You've got earmuffs on top of that. And you've got one of those ski mask things that's also there. You put a scarf on top of that so you're just eyeballs looking out. You've got the long underwear on. You've got the best coat. You've got those big, thick ski pants. You've got wool socks. You've got boots that have little heaters inside them. You've got the best gloves and you walk out. Do you know what you do not feel? You don't feel cold. It's cold, but you don't feel cold. Why don't you feel cold? Because something is separating you from what's really there. Of course, I realize that that's a bad example because there's some of you who are still cold no matter what we're going to do about it. Uh, If you continue to let sin rule in your life, it's not that God's not there, but there's something that's separating you and blocking you from feeling the intimacy, the goodness, the closeness of God, even though he's still there. God didn't move. You simply don't feel him. So you might say, you know what? I'm not doing some of the the, the big sins, right? I'm not a big sinner. Hey, congratulations. You know, whatever the big ones are, great. You're not doing them. The problem is that some of us have learned to live with little sanitized and habitual sins. Culture just says, "Well, well, well, everybody does it. It's not that big of a deal. You go on living with it, living in it, living near it. And I don't know what it might be. Maybe, maybe for you it's envy. <clears throat> maybe you can't go on Instagram without going, I need that purse. I want to go on that trip. I wish I had that guy. I don't like him. I don't like her. Those aren't my real friends. Look what they're doing. They're having fun without me. And I, I, I don't know that, that, that envy, I want what they have. You live with it and, and you, you, you indulge in it. Maybe gossip. Can I just tell you about so-and-so? I think they need us to pray for them. Maybe it's lust, you know? I got to get me some of that. Whatever that is, I need that, right? You live with it. Bitterness, unforgiveness, resentment, anger. You're living with them. They have moved into your life, and now they expect to be there. You expect them to be there. Every now and then, you just got to do a gut check. Just because there's a valid reason to have the negativity doesn't mean that there's a valid reason to hang on to it. It's not that something bad didn't happen, but there's not a reason that you need to hang on to it. So the reason I know this, okay, this is not theoretical. It's because so many times in my life that I've been there where I know that I have held something unrighteous in my heart. I've had to say, God, I'm sorry. I'm not sensing you now, and that's a gift that you're giving me to remind me that I need to change. I need to confess what I've done. I need to confess what I did that was wrong. God, forgive me. God, please cleanse me. Please restart with me. The lack of sense of, the lack of the awareness there was a reminder to me that I needed to do something about it. This is what God, uh, David prayed after he had, he had done a lot of sinning. He had had a very busy week of sinning. He says, create in me a pure heart. Maybe your heart's hardened. Create in me a pure heart and renew a right spirit within me. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. If there's distance, then maybe this is one of the reasons. This information has nothing to do with guilt, shame, or bondage. This is all focused on freedom. The point of bringing these things up is to lead you on a path that goes to freedom, to being closer to God, 
Maybe you don't feel the presence of God because you've got sin that's really blocking that reality, that he's right there. He's still with you. I don't always feel God. Number three, maybe God wants to draw you closer. In Acts 17, um, Paul's preaching in Athens. This is his, his first big trip. He's going out. I got to take it to the Gentiles. I got to take it to the people who are not Jews. I got to let them know. This is my introduction to them of Jesus, people who've never heard of Jesus before. And he says, for one man, God made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. He marked their appointed times in history and boundaries of their lands. Then he said what was behind it. He said, God did that so that, so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. Even if they had never heard of Jesus, he wasn't far from them. He did this so that people would reach out and say, I want that God. I want to know him. I want to pursue him. I am thinking of this and I am choosing it. I'm not waiting for it to happen accidentally. There may be those times, and this is just me suggesting, okay? There may be those times that you don't feel God because God wants to bring you to a place where you have more of a desire for him. You miss him. What does deprivation do? Deprivation draws out desire. If I don't drink, what do I do? I get thirsty, right? I don't sense the presence of God. I might just have to start hungering and thirsting for God. It might just be the natural response. I have to go farther. I have to come closer. Familiarity breeds contempt. Absence makes the heart grow fonder. What if God draws you to seek him? Where you start to long for more of him, not hope that he shows up. He wants you to recognize that you need him. Life is not the same without him. Without him, life is incomplete. Your alignment gets all off and he's the center. And he wants the best for you. And the best for you is when he is at the center. He wants you to pursue him and get aligned with him. I don't feel him. You know, feelings are not faith. Just because because God feels silent does not mean that he's absent. Pursue him. You will not run in vain. Jeremiah tells the people going into exile, as they're going into exile, he says, God's not going to leave them. So in Jeremiah 29, he says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. What other promise have you ever heard from anywhere that guarantees that what you seek you will find. Perhaps for some of you, God is is going to create a longing in your heart. When you wake up, you're going to say, God, I want to experience you today. I didn't feel you. I didn't connect with you yesterday like I was hoping, and I'm hoping that today will be different. You press into him. You seek his kingdom first and his righteousness. And then all the other stuff gets added to you. Here's the deal. Anytime you sense a powerful, even supernatural way that God is with you, embrace it. Enjoy it. Maybe even journal it. You get a goosebumps feeling. It's awesome. There are going to be times you're going to to need to just take your shoes off and say, oh, my goodness, 
I'm standing on holy ground. You get down on your face and you say, God, I sense you with me and I worship you and I want to be part of what you're doing. I'm here. Use me. Transform me. Do what you need to do. And when that happens, let the tears flow. Embrace it because he's real and he's with you. But never forget that he is with you always. Don't ever forget to embrace him in the everyday moments that just seem to pass by that we don't choose to put significance into. When you're driving to work early and you see the, the, the sunrise come up and the colors are beautiful and they're amazing and they're splashed across the sky, it's not just science. There's artistry in that. I can see you, God. I can see the beauty that you've created. I sense your presence and it's going to change my day. When you go to work and you do something that you're pretty good at, you say, God, I feel you with me today because I was created to do this. I do this well because you skilled me to do this well. Thank you. When you pray for someone, maybe during the day, and you make a difference, or you reach out to someone, or you give something to someone, and God, I sense your presence as you used me to represent you and your love today. In this day, we work together. God, thanks. When you come home, like I did the other day, and my son came running up to me, and he said, Daddy, 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 threw his arms around me. Just look down at your child and say, I see the presence of God in you. And in this moment, as you're with me, God, you're in this. These relationships are a gift from you. I can remember watching my kids being born. You hold your newborn child filled with wonder and amazement. Ah, how did this happen? And you see that in that child in that moment. You see in that the glory, the mystery of creation. How did this happen? I sense the presence of God in those moments. Wasn't always goosebumps, wasn't always audible, wasn't always lightning in the sky, but I sensed and I learned to sense more of my God around me as I became more aware of who my God is. As I learned more about him, I was able to see him in more places. The more I looked for him, the more I could see him. The more I recognized that he was already there before I started looking. It was growing into an ongoing awareness that my God is always with me. My God is always with me. My God is always with me. Don't trust your feelings. Feelings aren't facts. The fact is that your God will never leave you and he will never forsake you. I give you my word. You will find God. You can find God. I promise you. You will find him when you draw near to him. He draws near to you. And the reason I can promise it is because it's not really my promise at all. It's his promise to you. So you remember that girl from the beginning? We had the same conversation. If you seek me, you will find me if you seek me with your whole heart. So I say, don't worry. I can see that you're the most determined girl I think I've ever met. She stopped and she said, what did you call me? <laughs> I back up. Um, uh, I, think, I, think, I think I just said, uh, uh, you're, you're very determined. That's all I meant. I didn't say anything else besides that, right? Because all of a sudden, she just starts to cry. I can't believe you just said that. I can't believe you just said that. I'm thinking again in my head, what did I say? It was obviously the wrong thing, right? She's crying. Confused. She said, my daddy, 
used to call me his determined little angel. I can't believe you just called me that. And I looked at her and I smiled. I said, by any chance, do you sense that God may be with us right now? She broke down, hugged me, and we prayed thanks together. Not a very clever prayer, but God thanks. She said, I absolutely do sense him with me right now. When you seek him, you will find him because he loves you and he longs to reveal himself to those that pursue him. Not always at the moment that you want, but he will reveal himself to you. So don't give up. Father, today we pray that as a church full of people who long to be in your presence, that we would be increasingly aware God, whether we feel it or not, that you will never leave us and you will never forsake us. You are always with us and you are always good. God, I bet that there are people here this morning who would say, I'm a follower of Jesus and I want to be even more aware of the ongoing, ever-present goodness of God in my life. I want to know that he's with me and sense him so that I can represent him all the more so that I can feel like I'll be able to get through this. That I'll be able to know that I don't have to give up. Holy Spirit, will you please meet and move this morning? Bring freedom. Bring peace. Bring love. Bring assurance. We do not ever face this world alone. Thank you for working in partnership with me, with us. We're excited to see what this week brings, and we are eager to face it together with you, Jesus. Keep my eyes on you. Keep my eyes up. Thanks, Jesus. Amen. And now, knowing that you will never walk alone, that everywhere you go, God's already been, and he's waiting for you there. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. There's nothing that you can do that he will walk away from you. Be blessed in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You may be seated. As we just got sent, so send I you, so send we you to go out to remember that you don't just walk out of church. You're going to take church wherever you go that we are, uh, remind you that we are uh, Christ-focused, we are spirit-empowered, and that we are mission-focused. And that as you go, you remember that the mission is for everyone, everywhere, all the time. You're on the clock. Go be the church. Do a great job. Hope to see you. Well, I won't see you again next week, but I hope you're here next week. Because it is so much better when you're here. And I'm going to miss you while I'm gone, but I'm going to look forward to the days that I come back. And I'll get to tell you the truth again when I say it's better when we're here. It's better when we're together. Have a great week. We'll see you.